Welcome to Season 2 of White Shores, the podcast for spiritual beings having a human experience. Let me invite you to walk once more beside me on White Shores to talk about the real meaning of life and being sensitive, intuitive, a mystic in a material world. Let's talk about dreams, rituals, personal transformation, the possibility of an afterlife, angels and other infinite possibilities. Season 1, recorded in 2019, featured interviews with some of the world's leading scientists currently researching consciousness, the existence of the mind separate from the brain. Listen to those mind-opening interviews if you can, because they left clear footprints in the sand for the carefully selected healers, psychics, mediums, authors, artists and experts featured in season two to follow and speak to us from their hearts the place where all love and wisdom begins, and to speak to us in 2020, the year the world turned upside down and spiritual clarity needed as never before. So, now the scene is set, let's walk barefoot on the sand and then pause a while to gaze together at the horizon to see what magic lies beyond the material. Thank you for arriving safely on White Shores today. I'm so pleased you're here. I'm going to be talking to someone that I know will resonate with you all. She's an everyday mystic. And as the world resets following the pandemic, the inner strength and kindness and belief in the presence of spirit guiding and empowering her that she showcases in her interview is what I believe will pull us all through, hopefully emerging stronger wiser on the other side. About 15 or so years ago, I first started collecting afterlife and angel stories from people to include in my books. My thinking at the time was to use this anecdotal evidence from real people with real lives to try to dispel the myth that people who are drawn to spirit are either delusional, gullible or attention-seeking. And over the years, I've received countless highly credible stories from people in all ages and stages and from all walks of life. Stories coming from nurses, doctors, lawyers, teachers, mechanics, engineers, charity workers, scientists, drivers, shop workers, mums, students. The list of occupations and life choices is endless. Some of these people didn't even believe in spirit before something happened to transform their world. All of them are honest, rational and intelligent. They defy all the stereotypes um, that New Age tends to put on these kind of stories. One national newspaper picked up on this and did a fantastic double-page photo feature titled Intelligent People Who Believe in an Afterlife. That feature got thousands of shares and reaction, and rightly so, as it included true life stories from my books. I first met my next guest through my storybook collections because she sent me a story which was so moving and beautifully written, I had to include it. In it, she describes how anxious she felt when her three-month-old son had to go into hospital. She was worried sick. But then she felt what she can only describe as a cape of 
invisible warmth around her shoulders. She just knew then, in that moment, that her departed and much-loved mother was by her side. And this gave her a feeling that her son was watched over and he would be fine. And indeed, he was. I sensed reading this story that Kim was a beautiful writer and should write. And five years on, she is now a best-selling fiction author, as well as a popular book blogger and head of publicity at a top publishing house. This is extraordinary, as five years ago, Kim had never worked in publishing or written anything. She just loved books and followed her heart. She also loved and trusted in spirit, watching over and guiding and inspiring her. And this trust continues to guide and inspire her to this day. I hope listening to this ordinary but extraordinary interview will inspire you to follow your heart and trust in spirit watching over you too in the same way. Do stay tuned after the interview for details how to contact my guest and myself, as well as another piece of music, the language that heaven speaks. As a thank you to my guest and to you for listening. Remember, listening to great music helps unite the creative and logical parts of your brain and by so doing brings you some much-needed inner peace and harmony. Stay tuned. If you would like to find out more about my books, warning, I'm a serial spiritual writer, there are a lot of them, my research, my media appearances, and online talks and events, as well as my latest title and opportunities to win free gifts, please do visit www.theresachung.com and subscribe to my newsletter. If you want to listen to season one, you can find it on the podcast page of my website. And all episodes of both season one and season two are available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. Be honoured and grateful if you could leave a review there, as it helps the podcast get wider circulation and spreads the word that spirit is real. Walking beside me today on White Shores is one of those remarkable and selfless people that the world needs more of right now. It's author and book blogger, Kim Nash. I've known, I've been privileged to know her about five or six years now when when she originally got in touch with me about one of my books and her belief that her mother in spirit was reaching out to her. I loved her story and it ended up in one of my books. She then asked me why on earth I wasn't online and I told her I was internet phobic. Kim was having none of that and told me she would set up my Facebook page. And over time, with her encouragement, she helped me grow the presence considerably. So rather like Frankenstein, this lady is responsible for bringing to life Teresa Chung, author online, and all the out-of-this-world things that this, my Facebook page and my socials have done over the years. It's all down to Kim starting it all. Um, She's, of course, moved on to bigger and better things now. But as well as being a deeply spiritual person, Kim reinvented herself a few years back following a career in business. But business wasn't her real passion. Her real passion was books. So she decided to become a book blogger and became such a successful one, it wasn't long before she was snapped up to work for a book publishing company, Bookature Hachette. And she's now their head of publicity. And it doesn't stop there because she's also a highly successful fiction author in her own right. I talk a lot about infinite possibility in my books. Well, we're talking to someone right now who is a living embodiment of that. Hello, Kim. Hello. Was that me you were talking about then? (laughs) 
Oh, Kim. Yes, it was. Um, you have such a can-do attitude. You're one of the most resilient, kind, funny, and compassionate people I know. And as I said in the beginning, the world needs people like you right now more than ever as we're healing from the wounds of this pandemic. Where did your inner strength come from? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. Um, I think probably um, I had a brilliant teacher in my mum. Um, my mum was the best mum you could possibly get, and she was an amazing person. She worked, and I probably don't read. I probably didn't appreciate it at the time, but I do now. She worked full time. She looked after her family. My dad worked. So he had his own butcher shop, um, and um, he was always working. It was his own business, so he was there all the time. And mum had us to look after. Um, and I just think she was incredible. And I just think that she taught me to grow up and kind of think about the things that are important in life. Um, she certainly taught me how to love. Um, I couldn't have asked for a better mum. And if I'm half the mum she ever was, then I'm doing OK. Um, and I think, you know, just some oh, of the that's... things that I've picked up over the years and that I've learned. I used to do quite a um, I used to be involved in a, a network marketing business. And that, again, taught you that. You know, you can do anything that you really want to. And I think that really helped me as well. I love the fact that you've brought up your mum because she kind of brought us together as well, didn't she? Oh, because you were writing about feeling connected to your mother in spirit. And yeah. does, is that ongoing? Are you still feeling that today? Yeah, I do. I really, really do. Um, if people want to think that I'm completely bonkers because I talk to my mum all the time, then that's fine. Um, yeah, I just feel that mum's around us all the time. I just wish she was here in person still. I know she is. She's alive within you, Kim. I know that. And I know that you talk to me a lot about signs as well. And over the years, how you felt her presence and, and that, that, that kind of connected us together. So our mm -hmm. friendship is because of your mum. And I'm very grateful to her in spirit. I talked in the beginning about your resilience, which really anyone who knows Kim will know that. And I feel that right now the world needs people like you being a glue for society that is, is so hurt and in pain right now because of the crisis. This is going to put you on the spot a bit, but if you were in the government right now, what piece of advice would you offer? Oh, what wow. do you think would be? <laughs> what a question to <laughs> You didn't expect this, there. No. Um, oh, <laughs> what would you say? I, I think we just need to all be more understanding of each other. You know, whether you voted for Boris Johnson or not, and for this particular government, I think they are doing their best if, that they can in a total crisis. And, you know, I think if we yeah. all, pass, you know, I watch the um, the news uh, bulletins every day and it's almost like the journalists want to catch them out all the time um, by asking, you know, yeah. should they have done this, should they have done that? And I just kind of want to shout at them and say, it doesn't matter what you should have done. Get on with it now. There's nothing you can do about the past. All you can do is alter the future and do what we can at this precise moment in time. So I think from me, let's all just be kinder to each other and just understand that everybody is aiming to do the right thing. And with the information that they have at that particular time, whether that be the prime minister, whether that be me, who's a mom who's trying to school, homeschool my child, whilst running a full-time, you know, whilst trying to do a full-time job. I just think we all need to, you know, just be mindful of the fact that everybody's just trying to get through each day the best they can.
They are. They are. That, that's that's why I love talking to you. This is what you bring. You bring this this, this sense of get on with it. The past is gone. You have now. To, what choices you make now is what matters. And that that's that's been you ever since I've known you, Kim. Um, but also, I, I know that we're in touch because of your belief in the afterlife. Where did that come from? Was it something that you grew up with? Was it after your parents passed? Where does that belief come from? It's something that's always fascinated me. Um, as a teenager, I used to read, um, I don't know if you and I have ever had the conversation, actually, but I used to read all the Doris Stokes books, and they used to completely and utterly fascinate me. Um Mum believed in mediums, um, and I know she'd been to see them a couple of times. My dad was very um, a, a non-believer, was very adamant that there was nothing out there. Um, and then when, when mum did die, I really struggled. Um, and mum died in October, and it was just coming up to Christmas. And I went to, um, I just went for a walk in my local village, actually. And there was a sign up in a shop window that said that there was um, a spiritualist church in the place where I live. And I popped into the shop and I just said, I don't suppose you would know who any of the mediums are there on the um, at the spiritualist church. And she said, um, oh, I do actually. She says, I'm one of the mediums. And um, she said, well, I'm booked up until um, February time. And I said, it's OK. It's absolutely fine. I, it was just something I was just interested in. And I turned to walk out of the shop and I just remember a big tear rolling down my cheek. And as I walked out and she said, stop. And I literally stopped and I turned around and she said, come and see me next Tuesday night. Um, she said, I'm not doing anything and I would love to, I, I just feel that I need to see you. Um, and so I kind of arranged to go back. I walked out the shop and my sister phoned me and I told my sister about it and she was absolutely gobsmacked. And she said, I want to come with you. So I went back into the shop and said to this lady, Michelle, um, I've got somebody who'd like to come with me. Would that be OK? And she said, yeah, absolutely fine. So on the night time that we went to see her, um, it was probably something around maybe mid-December, I think it was. Um, and I remember pulling up outside the shop. My sister was driving and my legs just went really, really cold. It was like ice cold in the bottom of my legs. And I, and I was rubbing my legs because it was like there was no circulation in them. Um, and I was telling my sister about it and we didn't think any more of it. And we went in to see Michelle. Um, and she just got mum straight away and she said that, you will feel that your mum is around you, but you will feel a cold in your extremities, which Lisa and I looked at each other straight away and kind of were like, oh, my God. Um, and she just came out with so many things about mum that were, they could not possibly have come from anywhere else. Um, and it, my, I suppose my fascination went on from there. Would you be able to give an example? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she said... Um, I wear my mum's rings, and one of the things she said was, your mum said, thank you for wearing her rings. Now, my sister had got rings on, um, but she never said it to Lisa. She said it to me. Um, one of the other things that she said was, your mum said, thank you for the freezers that you put in her coffin. Well, we did put freezers in my mum's coffin, but she never said, thank you for the flowers. She said, thank you for the freezers. Um, and there was just loads of things like that. There was so much, honestly. And then I went back to see her um, three, probably three months. It would have been three months later. And it was the day after I found out that I was pregnant. And I walked in and she was kind of so excited to see me. And she said, your mum says that she sent you the best present that she could ever send you. 
Wow. Do you feel really that you've got proof of survival? Absolutely. Through that medium? Absolutely. And I, yeah. I, I felt a need to keep going back to see her. And I remember after I went to see her, the, after the first time I went to see her, I went back a few weeks later and I just took her some flowers and I just said, thank you. And she said, I just wanted to let you know, she said that I am thinking of giving up. And I had this feeling of panic because it was almost as if I'd found a way to connect with my mum and then she was going to take it away from me. But she said to me, the bond between you and your mum is so strong that it doesn't matter if it's me or not. She said, your mum will find a way to get to you. And it's just something that I've always Mm -hmm. believed in. Yeah. What would you say to anyone who's, you know, nervous about visiting a medium? Would you advise it? I would. I really would. I would tell everybody to go. Um, (laughs) But it's which medium, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But I do know how much it helped me. And I honestly don't know how I would have got through those years. Um, without the help of Michelle um, because it was just yeah. I think just the thought of knowing that my mum is okay and, and is around me all the time I think is just amazing and I feel like I've got proof of that. That's what we need we need to know there's this ongoing relationship isn't it in spirit that the life may have ended but the relationship goes on and on and I think so many people need that. Absolutely I remember Michelle saying to me your mum is around you all the time Kim the only difference is that you can't see her yeah, you don't want to think that they've ended forever, do you? No. And that's where the old sort of grief therapy model just frustrates me. Like, you know, you, it's kind of getting over it and moving on. You can't. This person is is a part of your heart. And you, it's no more than you can cut out your heart. You can't. You want to find know how to have a relationship in spirit. And that's where mediumship, good mediumship, humble, honest mediumship. Yeah. And those are the ones that are the best, isn't it? Not the ones who are doing it for the big platforms and the big media circus. Absolutely. The ones who are doing it humbly and with compassion. Because um, many of the best mediums I've spoken to are ones who actually say, look, I don't really want to do this, but I feel called to do it and I'm, I'm not charging or, you know, whatever. Mm. Those are the ones that you want to find. And it's by word of mouth, isn't it? Is that How did you find out about the medium you visited? Just the fact that I'd gone into a shop um, and I'd seen her. I didn't know anything about her. Um, but I just felt when I walked into the shop, I just felt a connection with her. Yeah. And actually, let's talk about um, you, you had a connection to the medium. The medium brought proof of survival through of your mother and your mother's spirit so strong. She figures very much in your first book, Ooh, doesn't she? Amazing sure. Grace. Yeah, she does. Um, Can you tell us about Amazing Grace, which I love oh. everyone if you want feel good read as I always say it's if you love Bridget Jones that kind of thing but you also love ghost and things like that you know books about the possibility of an afterlife and continuing connections Titanic if you if you love all these things go and read Amazing Grace by Kim Nash please tell us about that book um yeah it's a book about Grace who is a single mom um she um has a son um very similar sort of circumstances as I was in um, and she's suffering the grief of her mom. You know, she's still suffering the loss of her mom and dealing with that grief. Um, she is kind of, she's got to the stage where her son goes off to his dad's and she's kind of sitting there watching X Factor on a Saturday night in her pajamas and sitting, <laughs> sitting with her dog. It all sounds pretty familiar to me. Um, quite, quite happy, <laughs> not unhappy with her life in any way, but just kind of getting by until her son comes back. Um, and her friend thinks that she needs a bit of a shake-up, so her friend gets her going off doing internet dating. Um, but she also has um, a knock at the door one day and a gorgeous gardener called Vinny um, turns up and he's come to have a look at some trees in her garden with a view to cutting them down. Um, and he, 
and they kind of form a yeah. connection and um then because she's got an interest in somebody else her ex-husband comes into the picture and kind of goes well I didn't want you then but I might want you now because I don't want you going off with anybody else type of thing so she's kind of torn between keeping her family together and keeping her son happy or whether to kind of enter into this new relationship where she doesn't know anybody so I suppose it's kind of a bit of a case of um is it you know is it the devil you know Um, yeah better to be with the devil that you know or the person that you don't and in all of this as well she she feels a mum around her all the time and she um, there are kind of messages in there from her mum. And it's been lovely. Very I've, profound. Well, I've had some lovely reactions to it. I've had reactions from people who have lost parents, who have lost their mum particularly, and they've said that it's really helped them to um, to get through what they're going through yes. as well. And there's nothing better than getting you know a, a message from somebody that I don't know telling me that my book has helped them. Yeah, that's why I I recommend this if you have lost a loved one, doesn't matter whether it's a mother, father, son, daughter, friend, colleague, it's the messages that's come through, the wisdom that, that Kim brings through into that. Because afterlife signs, you know, we, we all look for them after someone's died and you somehow manage to do that in a, in a fictional narrative, which is really, really beautiful. I mean, how many reviews on Amazon has it got now? I mean, it's incredible. Oh, I can tell you, actually. I think there's about 180, something like that. Wow. For a first-time author. So you really are missing a trick. And it's, it's also very affordable, isn't it? Um, what What is the price? Absolutely 99p to download for Kindle at the moment. So um, if people want to heartwarming feel good romantic comedy for 99p it would um it, it might be one to is it in audio it isn't in audio actually it is available in paperback now um but no it's not available in audio at the moment it should be it should be so on to your publishers please <laughs> <laughs> so what, and you also did a follow-up as well do you want to talk about that the follow-up is not connected to the first book no it isn't um the follow-up is called escape to giddywell grange which is about a lady who throws everything into her work um, feeling that it's the right thing to do and she has lots of lovely things um, material possessions a nice flat flash car um, and one day is made redundant and then realizes that she's kind of put all the things in her life that she should have been concentrating on like her friendships and her family um, and she tries to rebuild them all again um, her friend her best friend from school who she grew up with and she grew up with her family um, runs a doggy daycare center and kennels and has to go in for an operation. So um, Beth is worried about her business because she's got she's literally going to have um, no time to run a business. And Maddie um, has all this time on her hands and nothing to do with it. So she kind of steps into her friend's um, life, really. And it's all about just working out what makes you happy um, and about the values in life. Yeah. Again, a really, you feel, when you read a Kim Nash book, you feel somehow better about yourself. You're not quite sure why sometimes, but you just do because, you know, I can, I'm sure listeners hearing her voice at the moment and her spirit that comes through in the books and it's, it's, you just feel like you're having a chat with a good friend. Um, and, and you just don't feel, if you are feeling lonely, you just don't feel quite so lonely anymore because what I love is it's real life in there. It's real relationships and all the, the sort of little things that, that trigger us and everything. And all, as well as the big profound things like why am I here what what's the purpose of my life what makes me happy um so, so thank you for those, those books really are gifts um and when when you write I'm just very curious now because I I actually would love to write fiction I did attempt it a few years ago but I read the first chapter and bored myself so I've never 
<laughs> when you're reading your own book and you start yawning, you know you're on the wrong path. But uh, when when you write fiction, do you sit there and do you see the characters forming in your head, like visualize them? Is it channeled or is it a discipline that you think, I'm going to be very disciplined now. I'm going to go from A to B, how you plot it out. How does it happen? And um, My processes have been different with each book that I've written. Um, the first book was not a book that was published. Uh, I hadn't got a publishing deal, so it took me a long time to write. And it kind of originally came about because after Mama died, I found it quite cathartic to write my feelings down. And I kind of wrote, started to write down what I thought Mum would say to me if she could still speak to me, which is where kind of Amazing Grace came from. And then there were lots of other experiences from my life that I kind of pulled out. So there wasn't really an awful lot of planning involved in Amazing Grace. But then when I came on to write, I was very lucky to be offered a contract for two books. Um, But at that point, I kind of thought, two books? Um, I've actually only got one book. Um, So I had to write a second book pretty quickly. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we had probably about six months to um, write the second book. So, again, I plucked, you know, I... I was in a job where I was made redundant years ago and I can honestly say that it took me years to recover from that, both mentally and financially. Um, so I wanted to pull on those experiences um, and, and that's kind of where that book came from. And I did more planning. I drew graphs and pictures of sort of character arcs and character journeys and I talked more about how the and I, and I kind of I like to work with colour, so I'd got lots of different felt-tip pens and I was doing lots of drawing and mind mapping and stuff like that. Um, and that, I'm now writing my third book. Um, it's actually it's written and I'm just going through the editorial process at the moment. But my third book was more... Oh, it, was, it was actually more planned than any of them. Um, it was more planned because I was literally working out what each chapter was going to be about and what scene I wanted in each chapter. And because my time's quite precious because I work full time, um, I needed to kind of plan as much as I possibly could. So I did lots of character um, sheets where I got to know my characters better. Um, and I kind of knew that this scene was going to happen um, and that the next scene I wanted to sit down and write was a particular scene. So it was definitely more planned than anything. But that's about four. Do your characters talk to you? Um, some do. Do they talk to you? Because I'm, I can't remember the name of that movie. If anyone listening can sort of email me at angeltalk710 at AO.com. It's Will Ferrell and Emma Thompson. And Emma Thompson, it starts with Will Ferrell's life, but actually you realise that he is actually a fictional character. And Emma Thompson is the, is the creator. And it's because like this character sort of becomes so real to her. Does that happen to you that, you know, you create a character and they... No, I don't think it happens like that. But I do do really silly things like I might go to London on the train and I'll pretend to be my character just so that I can get right inside their head. And I would kind of like with Grace. I certainly I yeah. remember going to London one day and thinking, what would Grace do? Would, you know, when Grace walks past people, would she lift her head up and speak to people and, you know, be nice to people in shops? Or would she keep her head down low because she's got no confidence and... And and just little things like that, really. You know, how would she walk? How would she talk to people? Um, would she smile at people? You're when creator. She's and and that kind of got me into the head of the characters, and I like I do like to do that. Oh, that must be such fun! It's like you're creating your own universe, your, your own world. Uh, how brilliant! You know, as I said, I'd love to do fiction, but not to be. <laughs> um, but you're not just a, a fiction. 
Sorry? I said that I think your, a fiction book by you would be incredible. It would probably be very worthy and rather dull, I think. So I, don't, I don't know. I try. I have tried. I have tried, but it's just not happened. And you know, we 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 we, you know, I love what I'm doing. I do love non-fiction and, and gathering stories. But I just thought it made me realize how very hard it is to be a fiction writer. Everybody thinks it's easy. It's not. It's a discipline. It's hard work. Um, and to, to create a really interesting fiction read, which you've done, Kim, twice now, obviously your third haven't read, is is, is really remarkable achievement. Um, but you're not just a fiction author, are you? So I was just going to say, I think what's really important in fiction is that you cover, you know, people think that romantic comedies um, are kind of lesser books because they're not literary. And um, an author called Millie Wilson, who has been really influential in my writing and blogging career talked about this when she won the um, she won an outstanding achievement award at the Romantic Novelists Association Awards this year, and she said, you know, our books are books where people are, um, you know, they're covering big topics. They're talking about, um, you know, domestic abuse. They're talking about grief. And they're talking about how people yeah. get through those issues in their life. Yeah, humour is such a great way to to sometimes present these messages, isn't it? And look at it from that point of view. But you're also um, not just a fiction author. You're also head of publicity at Bookature, a digital only publisher. And it's interesting what you said about romantic fiction. People say it's not not proper books, which is ridiculous because it is. But a lot of people say that about digital publishing as well, don't they? It's not maybe proper publishing. Well, they're all wrong now, aren't they? With the with the lockdown that, you know, digital is the way to go. Um, and uh, please tell us about Bookature for people. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people are buying e-books at the moment and loading up their Kindles. Um, they're getting books for great value prices. Um, Bookature has been going for um, nearly seven years, I think now. Um, I joined them in the very, very early days when it was just um, Oliver, myself, um, and then a lady called Claire Board joined Um and we kind of we grew it. There's now 36 of us at head office. Um, we're you know oh. a huge entity. We've got a lot of authors out there. We're selling an awful lot of books, um, and we sell. You know, mm. it's lovely to see that you know we we are selling great commercial fiction, which people are so enjoying reading at the moment. Well, they are. We we need it. It's just just the, the joy of settling down to a good book is 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 absolute bliss and I guess now with the lockdown if you're not a key worker you have a, an opportunity to read all those books you wanted to read and as you said kindle sales are through the roof right now aren't they because yeah. people want to, to to download books because we can't get hold of the the, the, the hard copies and that's where of course Bookature having fine-tuned digital publishing and, and basically leading the world in it hasn't it Am I correct? Am I, are they one of the... We are one of the top, um, you know, kind of top publishers. We were bought out um, a few years ago by Hachette um, because they could see the potential that we'd got and, and the skills that we'd got to take digital um, publishing forward. Um, Hachette have obviously learnt a lot from us and, and they're doing more with their digital sales yeah. at the moment. Um, but, you know, Oliver yeah. Rhodes, who set up the company, obviously had a, an amazing vision for the future. Yeah, he was. He's a visionary, a real visionary. Um, and you're head of publicity there, so you must be dealing with authors every single day. Yeah, um, that must be very demanding. It is. It's a very demanding job, but it's also a job that I absolutely love. And you know, I could do my job twenty four hours a day because I always used to say to Oliver, you know, if if you turned around and said to me that you can't pay me this month, I'd go, oh, it's all right, I'll do it anyway because I love it. 
<laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And of course, Bookershaw has now launched its own nonfiction. We have, which is very, very, yeah, very exciting. We have um, four nonfiction authors, um, yourself being one, which I'm absolutely <laughs> Thank <you>. thrilled. <laughs> Well, the bits that I get to um, obviously, you know, help to sort of get your books into the world um, after all this time of knowing you. Um, but we also have Joanna Fortune, who is a um, parenting expert. We have um, Debbie Nathan and Helen Nathan, who are doing a book um, all about genetics and cooking for your genes, which is amazing. Um, and then we also have um, fiction author Kerry Fisher who's joined forces with her best friend, Pat Sower, and they talk about both having um, teenage sons with um, Kerry's son um, had cancer at the same time as Pat's son um, took his own life. Um, and it talks mm. about friendship and how you get through times like that. Um, and, you know, it's an incredible read. It really is. And I know that that book is going to change lives from people reading it um, because, you know, it it really, really is an incredible book. Yeah. And right now we need to hear it. With so many people losing loved ones right now, uh, you know, what's the book called? It's called Take My Hand. It's actually out on the 28th of May. Um, it's out with, press, uh, out with the press at the moment. Um and incredible you know your book the sensitivity code is again is another book that you know it's about being sensitive in an overwhelming world which you know there is no more time now than a a time that is overwhelming for people and it's talking about how people can cope um you know how to recognize that you're sensitive and how you know it's not it's not a bad thing at all and talking about coping strategies and how we can help other people um and again it's it's another book right now that will really help people but the other two as well, because right now people homeschooling their kids, mm-hmm. we need to hear a pe- from a parenting expert yeah. more than ever. And also we're all having to cook. So it's almost like Bookershaw, again, covered all bases there with those the, that, that, that launch, really. Well, yeah. What was the inspiration behind the word thread? I love that title of the imprint. I think Claire just wanted something that um, Claire Board, who runs um, Thread, wanted... We they, we want to be books that connect readers um, to authors and the, the books to be life-changing. So that was kind of, you know, that was the thread that we wanted to keep going, which thread just seemed to be the right word for us. Oh, and on that, that's, that theme of, of life-changing, it's been life-changing getting to know you, Kim. You are a, a, an amazing example of living a life of constant learning constant process progress and and this this get on with it make the best of it you choose right now i i love that about you so thank you please keep being amazing you and um i'm just going to finish this podcast with with a bit of trivia as i did in my season one i did debate whether to do it because you know times are different now with the virus and everything but i thought no you know, we do need a bit of laughter and normality. And you you are not going to be able to answer this question, which is great because people who answer it right, I want them to email me and I will give them a free dream interpretation or birthday profile or a ritual. 
um, if they get the answer right. So actually, if you get it right, Kim, you are denying someone. <laughs> it's called the question. It's the question you shall not pass, and it's a tribute to my love of the Lord, Lord of the Rings, because um, this uh, uh, podcast is called White Shores, which is a theme in, which is mentioned in in the Lord of the Rings. Um, it's the place where the elves go, and it's basically death. You know, the next life, White Shores. So. Um, who in Lord of the Rings is never tempted by the ring? I have no idea because I have never, ever read or watched Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Honesty, I, I love that. that. No, I, I love gonna, that. I was going to bluff my way through, but I thought, no, just go for it. You have Google, as I said. But, you know, that's great. As I said, I, each each episode I'm answering, a, a, you know, really sort of nerdy-like questions from the Lord of the Rings so in the hope that people who know the answer can can email me. I'm really <laughs> let down in that department. <laughs> oh, thank you from my heart, Kim, for talking to me today. Um, it's a real honour, and I'm super excited to work with you on, on, on the thread titles. And thank you for all you do. And um, please check out Kim's books, um, Amazing Grace is my favourite because of the afterlife theme, but Escape to Giddy World Grange is also a really heartwarming read, and I can't wait to hear what the third book is about and uh, when it comes out. So please, keep... how can people find out about you quickly? Um, my website is kimthebookworm.co.uk. I'm on Facebook as Kim the Bookworm, and you can go to my Facebook page, or I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Kim the Bookworm. People think that the bookworm is my. Um... <laughs> Kim Bookworm. It could be. I wonder if somebody's got a surname called yeah. Bookworm. Kim Bookworm. <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kim. Lots of love. You may. Take care, Teresa. Bye-bye. And before this episode closes, with a musical gift for you to close your eyes and visualise the pure love, wonder, beauty of White Shores, I want to thank you all from my heart for being present and for being you. Keep being amazing spiritual you. The world needs your compassionate light more than ever. Thank you also to Clan Re for the opening theme track. And if you have any questions, stories or insights you want to share with me, you can always connect to me via my Teresa Chung author pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube, as well as www.teresachung.com and my trusty Angel Talk 710 at aol.com email. I aim to reply to everyone, but bear with me if things get busy. And now it's time, the language that the angels speak, music takes centre stage. If you want to know the title of the piece, which is played by or selected by my son and Royal College of Music scholar Robert, because it resonates powerfully with the theme of this specific episode, you can find the title in the show notes. Sending you my love and gratitude. <laughs>